0: Okay, so um, thank you for listening to this podcast. Um, Please like it and share it if it blesses you um, so that the Word can get out and bless more people. Um, What I want to share with you about today is it's sort of to do with um, a revelation of God's goodness and abiding in His presence. So it's just something God showed me. So I'm going to just share two things um, that God revealed to me in the Word and um, I really hope it blesses you. So I just want to pray for us. Um, Father, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will reveal the word to us and that we will see Jesus as we, uh, as we listen to this word right now. In um, Jesus' name and as I, um, as I share it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, the first thing I want to share is I was reading Psalms 91, which is a scripture that um, speaks about God's protection. So uh, it speaks about us abiding in the secret place, um, the holy of holies that we have access to um, through the body of Jesus that was broken, um, and he, his blood that was shared for us. Um, so let me just quickly read that. It's in Hebrews 10 um, verse I think it's 19, 20, 19. it says, "Therefore brethren, since we have full freedom and confidence to enter into the holy of holies by the power and virtue in the blood of Jesus." By this fresh, new, and living way, which he initiated and dedicated and opened for us through the separating curtain, veil of the Holy of Holies, that is through his flesh. Um, so, the entrance that we have into the Holy of Holies, the most holy place, um, it was, was represented by... Um, in the Old Testament, they, they had a physical temple and, well, a physical tabernacle, and there was a veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies, which would um, be the place where the Ark of the Covenant was and where the, um, the, sa- the sacrifice was brought, the blood was brought, uh, the blood on the mercy seat, and that is where God Uh, would speak or would meet, and sins would be um, forgiven, uh, and stuff like that happened. So that was the physical representation. So when Jesus was crucified, um, the veil that was torn uh, between the, uh, yeah, the veil between the holy place and the holy of holies was um, torn. Um, And so what this speaks about now is that there is a a new agreement. So Hebrews 9, Hebrews 10 speaks about how um, Jesus g- g- gave us access into that place. So it's now it's not the old system of rituals and all of that uh, and sacrifices that gives us access. We have access now through the blood of Jesus and we have confidence to enter, which means uh, you only have confidence to enter into the most holy presence of God if your um, sins are forgiven and if you are righteous before God. Um, so we do not have an expectation of wrath as believers um, to enter into the Holy of Holies. So it says, therefore, we have full freedom and confidence to enter into the Holy of Holies in the blood of Jesus uh, and the fresh, new and living way um, which He opened for us through the separating curtain, the veil of the Holy of Holies, that is um, through His flesh. So He gives us access to live in that place. Um, And so that place is a spiritual place that we have access to all day long. Uh, Any place in the world, uh, the access we have is because of the blood of Jesus. So uh, I can be here or I can be in America. I'm in South Africa right now. I can be in America or Europe. Or wherever I am in the world and I can access the secret place. Um, it is the very presence of God. It is the most intimate, <laughs> um, deepest place of who God is. And so this is also uh, what Psalms 91 speaks about. So let me just find it here. Um, Psalms 91, he says the following, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed, under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe um, can withstand. Okay, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. On Him I lean and rely, and in Him I confidently trust. So, um, so the condition for this psalm is abiding so if I am abiding in him if I make him my refuge in that place the other parts of this psalm sort of plays out now um, we're never called to be introspective but we can know that when we when our hearts trust in him we will experience his protection okay so if I feel like I've, I've been put to shame or if I feel like um, I've experienced maybe disappointments in that area, it wasn't on God's side. Um, it's about how much I open my heart for Him. Um, but also just realize that the enemy does come to steal, kill, and destroy, and Jesus came to give life. So we don't point a finger at someone who didn't experience that and say, oh, you didn't have faith, or you didn't abide, because you don't know what... Um, what just. The influence that that wasn't from God that was there, so just understand it's not just on our side. It's it's um, it's also to do with with our thoughts and our hearts and and the the words that we hear and and all of that. So to just understand, God is faithful to lead us into truth. Um, so Jesus said, if you continue in My Word, you will truly be My disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So the whole world um, is in a fallen state because of uh, the sin of Adam. And so sin came into uh, sin came in, and death came in through sin. Okay. So anything that is death in the world is the result of what Adam did. God is good, and He warned Adam and Eve not to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And He gave them, He still gave them the choice, but He warned them not to. So later you see it also God saying, uh, I put before you death and life, choose life. Um, I'm not sure if he said it through Moses specifically, uh, but, but that's a word that he released. So, um, so the point is that the things that are in the world is not the kingdom of God. Okay, So this is a revelation God gave me, is the kingdom is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus sent out his disciples, he said, Go in, go into all the world and uh, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but he said to them, Go and heal the sick and declare the kingdom. Tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the kingdom was accompanied by healing, or the healing was an expression of the kingdom. It was a sign of the kingdom being manifested. The kingdom is joy. The kingdom is God's uh, protection. It's the secret place. So when we read Psalms 91. So when we experience realities that is not that, we cannot attribute it to God because it is in contradiction to His kingdom. So His kingdom is uh, His reign and His authority. In His reign is righteousness. It is peace. It is joy. So when there are things in the world that um, that is an outflow of unrighteousness or uh, of, um, that brings fear or things like that. It is, it is not God's kingdom. Uh, it is not God. The word says perfect love casts out fear. Um, 1 John 4 verse 16 says, in, We know and believe the love that God has for us. So we need to know it and believe it. But then he says, God is love. So God's love casts out fear. So automatically you can see anything in your life that brings fear isn't from God. When the Word speaks about the fear of God, it's a complete different uh, concept. It's not um, the fear that's driven out is the fear of being afraid of God, like He's gonna hurt you or He's going to uh, judge you or condemn you. The Word says um, that fear, when it says perfect love casts out fear, it says because fear involves the thought of punishment. So if the fear that we have towards God is a thought of punishment or thought that he's going to hurt us or that kind of being afraid if you can say it like that that is not the fear of God. The fear of God is something that actually comes out of the love for God and it is something that we have confidence towards God but we do have a respect for him knowing that he is the king of the universe and he owns everything and he is glorious so it speaks of a, a posture of humility and worship and sonship, and like a son respecting his father, um, that, is, that, is, that is the extent that God, God has just sort of helped me understand it, is that when, when we speak about fear, the fear isn't like, oh, God is going to punish me, um, that is actually the, the fear that His love costs out. So just to make the distinction that when we live with the fear of God, is we, we have an understanding that without Him we are nothing. We have an understanding that that he is still Lord <laughs> over everything and having acknowledging his lordship and submitting to his authority so it 's completely completely different so don't stumble over the words uh, when we say fear of God it's not the same concept, so the scripture reveals different pictures or concepts, and so the concept there is one that speaks of reverence and honor uh, in the New Testament and the Uh, Other concept is fear in the sense of being afraid, and um, that is fear that's actually cast out by love. So just to get back to what I said is about the kingdom. The kingdom is in the Holy Spirit, so the kingdom is in love, and so that love casts out fear. So when you hear any doctrine or things that brings a fear in the sense of being afraid uh, about end times or about the things that are happening in the world, then you know it's not um, from God. So you can draw the distinction. So automatically you can see that not everything that happens in the world is from God um, because there are certain things that are in in, are in opposition to His kingdom. His kingdom is joy. So anything that's not joy uh, or that is... There is a godly sorrow and things like that, but it is still something that leads you to repentance to Him, which, which leads you to joy. Um, but the point is that that the expression of his kingdom is life, and anything that doesn't give life, anything that doesn't end in joy, anything that doesn't, uh, that, that brings a weight or that is against the joy of the Lord that gives you strength is not God's will, it's not God's plan. So we can understand that um, the things that are in the world is something that is in opposition to the truth of the cross. As the word says, on the cross, God disarmed. All the powers and principalities that were arranged against us. So the, the very things which stood in opposition to us um, is actually conquered in the cross. And so, so it's conquered, but we look at the reality in the world and we need to realize that it is in spirit, in truth, it's done. And when I believe the truth, it, it is manifested. So um, Christ says, for example, that um, the, the word says in Hebrews that he's waiting. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, waiting for his enemies to be made a footstool beneath his feet. But in, um, and it says, all speaks somewhere else in the word It says the last enemy to be defeated is death. But the word also says that he conquered death. He conquered him who had power over death, that is death. Um, the devil. So he was already conquered. So, how is he waiting for his enemies to be beneath his feet? Well, we are the body of Christ, right? And so, when it speaks about that, uh, it speaks about it's the word says, for example, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. So the peace will, uh, Satan means accuser, so the peace will remove the accusation. The peace will um, bring the shield of faith which quenches the arrows of the wicked one, or whether, or whether there is arrows. Those are words of judgment and accusation. So I just want to bring a distinction. This is a lot of content now, which let, let it speak to your heart. Just understand that the things which are in the world uh, isn't everything from God, and the reason um, One of the reasons for that is people's understanding of sovereignty. Uh, Again, some people think everything that happens in the world is from God, but um, that's not necessarily true. Okay, So Adam and Eve partook from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So it's not God's heart. God made everything good and he put rulership over darkness. And he said to... um, Said to Adam and Eve, reign over it, don't partake of the tree, subdue the earth. So he said, let them um, have authority, complete authority. So um, when man subdued or listened to a voice and chose independence from God, then there was condemnation expressed because God warned them, death will come. And so um, that is the righteous wrath of God towards sin. Something that we need to understand is... That in, without the cross of Christ, the nature of man is in union with sin. So when sin is punished, automatically the nature, the, the, the person is included. Um, whereas when we get born again, your nature, we step into union with Christ. Um, Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. It is Christ who lives in me. So I step into union with the Spirit, and so my nature isn't sin anymore. My nature is the righteousness of God, which I receive as a free gift. So just we can allow God to be uh, God and to understand that He is righteous in um, condemning sin. But when we read the Scriptures about the communion, it speaks about escaping from the wrath of God. Uh, escaping from the effect of sin, the condemnation that was expressed towards sin because mankind sinned in the beginning. So there there was a divine sentence spoken uh, of of judgment saying, saying, um, because they partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, all of this came into the world. But the point is that those things did come into the world and it was righteous, for that proclamation to be made. But the communion, the cross, the um, blood of Jesus, completely reversed the, um, the, that judgment. So if we insist on trying to earn our righteousness through the law, never believing in Christ, we are still under the condemnation expressed through the law. So John 3 says, for example, that um, whoever believes in Him let me read that whoever believes in him is not condemned let me just find it here let's look at john 3 verse 15 it says in order that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life and live forever since the the whole thing about god loving the world giving his son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send the Son into the world in order to judge, to reject, to condemn, to pass sentence on the world. Um, the right word there is to condemn because Jesus is the righteous judge. Okay, but he judges us righteous when we believe. So a judge can have two verdicts. So, but there's a condemning um, and that condemnation is the thing that he didn't send Jesus so that we would be condemned. He sent Jesus to save us. Okay, that will be made safe and signed through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who trusts in him never comes up for judgment, for there is no rejection, no condemnation. He incurs no damnation. But he who does not believe is judged already because he has not believed and trusted in the name of the only begotten um, Son of God. This is the basis of judgment. Uh, lies in this the light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather and more than the light um, for their works were evil so um, it's the spirit of God inside of us is what makes us righteous and because of the blood that covers us the wrath that was expressed towards sin uh, and which which made room for death to come in is is cancelled so um, so but it's, it's through believing, it's through communion. it's through abiding in the secret place that those things are subdued. So those things are in the world, um, the, the destruction, the death, the suffering, all of that's in the world. But Jesus conquered it on the cross. So now it takes us having faith in what Jesus did to, for that to be manifested. It takes us abiding in the secret place. Uh, coming to the throne of mercy to find grace. So, so grace is the influence of the Spirit. So now suddenly the influence of death is removed because the influence of life flows. So that was a very long explanation, but it touches on sovereignty and understanding, understanding that the, the judgment and things that are in the world um, is there because of sin. So um, in 1 Corinthians, I think it's 1 Corinthians 10, it speaks about the communion. It speaks about people who don't recognize the value of the communion. And what they do is, is because of that, they're not escaping from the divine wrath uh, or the, the sentence that was brought to man. So what that simply means is that because we don't rea- if we don't realize the power of the communion, we're not going to draw on what the cross did for us. So then we're stuck with... The sickness, he says, because of this, um, too many many of you are sick, weak, uh, and have fallen asleep in death. So he says, simply because you don't understand the communion, which is simply the gospel expressed, and uh, a faith action where we appropriate what Jesus did on the cross, um, the effect of the fallen world is still in our lives, and, and that's why we still experience that. So the point is that that fall of man, which was... Um, a a sentence of condemnation that that was expressed over a man because of sin and disobeying God, that sentence was canceled on the cross. So our appointment with death was canceled by uh, Jesus dying on the cross. He annulled death, but now he's waiting for his enemies to be made a footstool beneath his feet. So he wants to reign through his body, on earth like I thought one day like okay Jesus did the cross and he was resurrected and he conquered death and he did all of that and had yeah, the authority as a man on earth so why did he just um, go and in, into the spirit and then left mankind here and said go into the world and preach the gospel um, why didn't he stay around and do that in his physical body but he, he said that it's good for me to go so that you can receive the Holy Spirit because God created man to rule on earth so uh, from the beginning God said, rule so in agreement with that he still gives us the opportunity to uh, rule so we are um, stewards of his earth if you can say it like that he is in charge but he has he has placed us under his authority in charge so he wants to reign through us on the earth um, by us being yielded to him so God needs someone with a physical body to have faith and be in agreement with His truth in order for His truth to have an effect on the earth. Okay, so I hope that all makes sense, and that is why it's so important for us to have faith and function in faith. Now that said, I want to get to Psalms 91, because now we can understand that when we take refuge in Him, He protects us. So when we can see the the things that He's protecting us from, when we take refuge in Him... We can understand that those things are then not his heart for us to experience. So this touches on the goodness of God. Um, So he says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed of the shadow of the Almighty. Then he says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, on him I lean and rely, and in him I confidently trust. Okay, so he says, I will say of the Lord. So there is a revelation of who God is and a declaration of who God is. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, on Him I trust. Lean and rely on In Him. I confidently trust. Um, so that's one of the conditions is having a revelation of who God is um, because you cannot fully open your heart and trust someone if you don't believe that they are good. If you believe that they are he is somehow the author of the things that are coming into your life, the the negative experience, the things that these things says he will protect you from, then you will not hide in him because you wouldn't feel fully safe because of maybe some questions. So that's why we need to have a clear revelation that God is good, um, the devil is bad, (laughs) sin came into the world, not everything is the devil, um, uh, directly touching our lives. People make decisions. Things happen in the world. Um, but obviously there are some influences that the enemy has. But greater is he who is in us and then he is who is in the world. So we need to have faith in his greatness and not in um, the power of darkness, but rather be Christ-conscious in the way we, um, we live. So we are aware of the light. And from that place of being aware of the greatness of the light, we rule over darkness. Okay, so he says... Um, then he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings shall you trust and find refuge. His truth and his faithfulness are a shield and a buckler. So his truth. Okay? So the word says you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And his faithfulness. okay. So a revelation of his goodness. Goodness faith is ultimately going to be a trust in the person. So we can have faith for certain things, but faith will come out of seeing God for who He is because there is a trust that comes. Okay, it says He will deliver you from the snare of the Father and from the deadly pestilence. So already we see the deadly pestilence is the thing that He is protecting us from, He's not afflicting us with. Okay, so um, just in the light of the current pandemic, Jesus wants to protect us from it. He is not um, trying to teach the church something through it. He's the one who is healing the sickness. <laughs> okay, he That's what he expressed on the cross. And he says, verse 4, Then he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings shall you trust and find refuge. His truth and his faithfulness are a shield and a buckler. Okay? You shall not be afraid from the terror of the night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. Um Uh, nor of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor of the destruction and and sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. So you will not be afraid of that. So it's interesting because Isaiah 54 says, you will be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. It's something I heard Bill Johnson say um, at a prophetic conference uh, years ago, a few years ago. He, He said that, um, us not fearing is a, is a sign um, of their destruction, of, of, of darkness' destruction. It is a. He quoted a, a different scripture for that that I can't remember right now. The point is that um, we shall be far from oppression because we shall not fear. Because perfect love casts out fear. Fear involves the thoughts of punishment. So the word of forgiveness, the word of love. Okay, understand that. So, we shall not be afraid of the terror of the night. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. So, also, if someone else is experiencing something, it doesn't limit me from taking the word and believing it and having a result now. And if I have experienced something, I can still take the word now and believe it. And that same thing will not come near me ever again. Okay, so it says, because you have made the Lord your refuge, and the Most High, your dwelling place. Okay, so it says here, He will give His angels charge over you to accompany, defend, and preserve you in all your ways of obedience and service. They shall bear you up on their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and serpent, shall you trample under foot. So it speaks about dominion over the works of darkness. Okay? and him placing his angel. So it speaks about protection. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he knows and understands my name. Um, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. Okay? Asking and receiving. I will be with him in trouble, I will deliver him and honor him. So this is the the thing, is God says he will be with me, he will deliver me and he will honor me. Okay? With long life will I satisfy him. And show him my salvation. So the result is life. So um, this is awesome, the Psalm that I'm reading, but what stood out to me is he says, I will serve the Lord, he is my refuge and fortress. And later he said, Because you have made the Lord your refuge and the Most High your dwelling place, there shall no evil befall mm-hmm. you, nor any plague or calamity come near your tent. So it says here, Because you have made the Lord your refuge. And I, I realized that. One of the lies um, in people's lives that the enemy tries to bring is that it, it brings an offense towards God or an, a, a deception about the goodness of God or the whole sovereignty thing that I spoke now. So, so what happens is you just close your heart a little bit um, because of an idea that you had that God might have had something to do with the pain or suffering that you have. So people have a good heart and they want to comfort people uh, who are experiencing maybe sickness and they tell them, oh, maybe God wants to teach you something through the sickness. But what that does is it actually closes people's hearts towards God because it's not the truth. Jesus died on the cross to destroy that sickness. uh, And he said, we need to go into the world, lay our hands on the sick and they will be healed. So um, so the point is, is little lies about God's natures, causes us to not make the Lord our refuge. And because of that, then, because of that experience, many times, the, the rest of the psalm, it's not happening. It says, there shall no evil befall you. So, um, so there is, because, because I'm sort of withdrawing because I don't really trust that he's good. What that does is it causes me to withdraw and not to partake of the fullness of his protection. So then I experience um, maybe not, not his protection. And, be, and that lie actually reinforces the things like, oh, God didn't protect me. But actually the problem in the start was a lie that you believed about God's protection. <laughs> so I realized that the very thing that we need to have our minds renewed is that God is only good. Because if we have that revelation, it destroys any space for anything else to come into our lives. Because we're not trying to defend ourselves. We have trust in Him who defends us. If in any area, just think about it, any area of your life, finances, um, maybe getting your mind renewed, maybe your purpose, your destiny, trying to become something, the whole identity thing, trying to prove something, all of it comes out of... Do I actually believe that God will bless me? (laughs) Do I believe that He will reveal my identity? Do I believe that He will renew my mind? Do I believe that He will protect me? So I'm not saying that we don't do anything, but I'm speaking about a a mindset of am I striving, trying to make everything work together, or, or am I resting in His faithfulness? So everything we, we want to sort of achieve in Christianity, to give more, to trust God, to do that, it's like, I just realized in my life, when I started to hear, and I'm, I'm hearing more and more the word that God is only good, suddenly those things, the emphasis shifts. The one emphasis is, I need to have faith, I need to trust, I need to, uh, and, and it's sort of, it's tiring. But the other side is, I have a Father. He loves me. He is good. Okay, I can trust Him. He will provide. Okay, I can give. You know, so there's a different um, mindset. So it's still good to trust and to give and to act in faith and to do prophetic actions and, and to give and to lay our hands on the sick. But it's just the mindset. And you can bring it to law and grace too where the one says you need to do all of these things to try to earn a righteousness before God or become good enough or anything like that. And the other mindset is, I am righteous, and I am holy, but I am a king, and there is a sense of identity, and God called me to rule and reign, and he has a destiny for me, and so that is why I'm acting in faith, is there is more of God. God needs me to have faith in order for this world to be impacted. So there's a different um, mindset, but God just showed me this thing about his goodness. Is if I, in some area, experienced a disappointment, or didn't feel protected, or want to fight for myself, want to protect myself, I'm not fully surrendered. It means that I still don't fully believe that he's good. But the good news is you can hear a message like this, and we prayed, and and I trust that the Spirit of God uh, is speaking to whoever is listening Um, Not just the words that I'm saying, because I'm saying a lot of words now. But um, you might need to listen to this a few times, which I can encourage you. Uh, It's good to repeatedly hear the word so that it will wash you. But this word um, of His goodness will actually bring a freedom in your heart. um, Because suddenly you rest more and more. And the things that you're trying to convince yourself that God will protect you, for example, suddenly it becomes a... Yes, of course God will protect me. It's suddenly things uh, like true belief systems that you have. It's things that you automatically, you don't even think about it. But you are operating in faith in those certain areas because God has renewed your mind to an extent that you don't even realize necessarily actively trying to believe it. It's just a part of you. And that's, that's what faith is in your heart, is God, God that does that. So... Um, The point is abiding in the vine, abiding in Him, actually uh, abiding in the secret place, making Him our refuge. Knowing He is good, fully trusting is the thing that will cause us to live a life like Psalms 91. So um, something else God showed me was in the book of John. So let me just find it here. John chapter... I it's chapter 14, 15. Um, it's the whole thing about abiding in the vine. Verse 1, he says, I am the true vine and my father um, is the vine dresser. He says in verse 3, You are cleansed and pruned already because of the word which I have which given you. So the word is the way that God corrects us. He says, Dwell in me and I will dwell in you, just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. Now, firstly, we need to understand that when we are born again, our spirit man is seated with Christ in heavenly places. The word says, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So um, you still have your spirit and he is him, but you you are regenerated and you are completely in him. It's like milk and coffee. You can't distinguish the two. So who you are is completely saturated with who he is. You died with him and you were raised with him. So um, you're a new creation, but so that, that is the one aspect of it, you are in Christ. But he's also speaking about abiding with our soul, with our mind, will, emotions, with our awareness, where is our awareness? Um, that part with the mind which is being renewed, so spirit renewed, mind being renewed, body being renewed, receiving life, healed. Uh, if the spirit which raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, he will also restore to life our mortal bodies. Um, Romans 8. So there is an abiding in our soul dimension, uh, which causes the manifestation of the spirit in our souls and in our bodies. And this is the thing I want to get to. It says, just as no branch can bear fruit of uh, itself without abiding in the vine. So it's a place of intimacy and fellowship. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears much fruit. However, apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus qualifies it. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So stop trying in your own strength to do it. Yield to the Spirit. So again, the surrender thing is God placed man in authority on earth. But when man is surrendered to God because of a revelation of his goodness, the Spirit can come and the Spirit can do things that man would not be able to do in his own strength. And it opens like a channel, um, a, a word someone quoted once or put on a quote once was um, faith is the channel through which the anointing flows so faith causes the spirit to have an influence on the earth it's a it's a it's a connection with with heaven it's the connection with the spirit but he says whoever lives in me will bear my fruit apart from me you can do nothing okay so um i want to touch on The commands of Jesus in the New Testament. Because I was wondering about this, like, okay, I'm not under the commands of the law, but what do I do with the commands of Jesus? Because he commands, he says, go into the world, lay your hands on the sick. That's one of his commands. And he also says, um, this is what my father requires of you, that you believe in him. And somewhere else he says, these are his commands, which I'm going to read now, that we believe and that we love one another. So how does that work? Because these commands are not things which may... (laughs) The first command which says you need to believe in Him is the thing that makes you righteous. So if you don't obey that command, um, you're not righteous if you've never believed in Him. But that command is sort of still expressed further. Now that you are a believer, you need to keep believing in Him. And because of believing in Him, the next command is to love one another. But that love will only be the love of the Father that I've received because of believing. We know and believe the love God has for us. 1 John 4 verse 16. So that love um, flowing through us will affect others. And so there's an, uh, there is a, but there is still a command to do it. But that it's, so it's a direction saying, let the love flow to other people which you receive from God. So you can be intentional. But I asked God because I didn't really know how to draw the distinction between the two. Now it says here uh, in verse 7 if you live in me, and my words remain in you. Continue to live in your hearts. Ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. Okay. So there is living in Him, His words living in you. Now um, I'm just going to quote it because I'm not sure exactly where it stands, uh, and this podcast is is <laughs> getting a bit extended now. So um, Jesus says, if anyone eats His body and drinks His blood, if anyone partakes of the gospel. In John 6, he's speaking about his word, and he is the bread which is from heaven. And he says this thing like, um, he says, if you, you cannot have any life in you unless you eat his body, eat my body and drink my blood. So what Jesus said, um, referring to the communion and referring to the word of the gospel. Uh, But he also says, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but what it comes down to, he says that when I partake of his body and I drink his blood, um, I, that is how I abide in him. So that's what the scripture says. So you abide when you partake of his body and drink his blood. So abiding comes out of the word of forgiveness, or the word of the gospel. So forgiveness bring, removes the sin consciousness, it ministers life to me, and it, it brings me into a deeper fellowship with the Spirit. So that's the one way. And he says, when my words remain in you. So hearing the words of Jesus, so the word of forgiveness, but also daily eating. Uh, Peter said, your words are spirit and life. Jesus said it too, my words are spirit and life. So man shall not live from bread alone, but every word that comes from God. When those words abide in our heart, um, Jesus says, uh, if you abide in my word, continue in my word, uh, you will truly be my disciples and um, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So there, there's that part. So there is the knowing that you are forgiveness, forgiven, and there is feasting on His words, which He daily speaks to you. So the word of forgiveness is not just a one-time thing. Every day you need to hear the Spirit speaking to your heart. The Spirit needs to continually speak to you. You are forgiven. I love you. I forgive you. You You're my beloved son. And also then the words of direction that he gives you. This is what I want to get to. He says, when you bear much fruit, my Father is honored and glorified, and you show and prove yourselves to be true followers of mine. Okay. So the fruit is in the context of asking and receiving. Okay. So prayer fruit. Um, So God wants us to ask and receive because then whatever is in heaven is released on earth. So we're asking for ourselves, but we're also asking to the extent where we ask for nations. We ask for nations to be saved. We ask for the, the, the wealth of the wicked to come to the righteous. We ask for all of that. So, so all of that is a kingdom influence in our lives. And when we are blessed, we overflow and in the lives of others. So we connect with God and as we can connect and abide, we're asking and it's, it's blessing other people. So when you bear much fruit, my father is honored and glorified. So when we are blessed and prosperous, it glorifies God because people see that he is a good father. And then he says, I have loved you just as the father has loved me. Abide in my life. So yes, you are loved and you are born again, but there's an abiding. We know and believe the love of God. And because we know and believe, we have fellowship with love and our soul, our body, we experience the love of God. Okay? Then he says, if you keep my commandments, uh, if you continue to obey my instructions, you will abide in my love and live on in it, just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and live on in His love. Now, this is not the, the commandments of Moses. Jesus came to completely fulfill the law. And then he says, and now he's going to qualify. What is the commandment of Jesus? He says, I have told you these things that my joy, my joy and delight may be in you. Okay, so it would be that Jesus delights in us, but also that we experience his joy. <laughs> that your joy and gladness, and that your joy and gladness may be of full measure and complete and overflowing. So the words of Jesus, all of this will lead us to joy. And it says, This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Um, no one has greater love than to lay down his own life for his friends. You are my friends if you keep on doing the things which I command you to do. Okay? No one has greater love than to lay down his own life for his friends. Okay? So, no one has greater love. So, the previous verse says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, okay? So, Old Testament or the law demanded love, by love from man. No one could give it because they didn't have the right kind of love. They had a natural love. No one could measure the standard of the law. But now he says, my love I place inside of you. Now, love one another. And so, the context here, what God said about His command, the commandments of Jesus, it, it speaks about abiding, okay? So, the first one is that we believe. So one of the disciples asked, what is the wor- work that the Father requires of us? And he said, that you believe in the one He sent. So, that is what makes us righteous, and that is the thing that qualifies us in spirit. But now, when it speaks about abiding, it's the same thing. So, the commandments, when we, are, when we act in obedience, To what the Spirit tells us to do. It causes us to abide and it causes us to dwell in the secret place. So the first thing we need to believe is that we are forgiven. That's actually one of the the things is we, we have obeyed the gospel. So that thing will cause us to abide. But also being led by the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit, they are sons of God. So those things is what releases grace which which um the grace being released is the the psalms 91 being released over our lives the um abiding the thing that causes me in my life in my soul dimension my body to abide is believing but also works of faith and works of faith are things that god tells us to do and those are things like heal the sick lay hands on the sick um, preach the gospel baptize people Um, love one another. So we are intentional about, he says, love as I have loved you. So we are intentional of being in fellowship with him, and that love is expressed towards other people. So this just helped me to understand that um, when he says this, a few verses back he said, apart from me you can do nothing. So he qualified it. He said, the the commandments that you are going to do is me doing it through you and in you. (laughs) So, um, But we still have a choice. So we just choose in the direction. The choice that we have is to yield to the Spirit. And when we are obedient. So when He tells us, edit, then I edit. If He tells me, um, preach the gospel, then I preach the gospel. If He tells me, write songs. And so you can say it in different words. And you can say there is grace connected to your assignment. So if God says, serve at this ministry, that is where the blessing will be. If God says, serve this minister. Um, that is where the blessing will be. If God says, go to this country, start a ministry, that is where the blessing will be. So um, actually, actual obedience to the Word releases this, the reality of the secret place into our lives. So when God gives me an assignment somewhere and I, I live out that assignment in that place, heaven's provision, you'll experience, you'll ex- but you still need to operate in faith where you are you're obedient but then you still do works of faith you give you trust god you pray you do all of that but there is a flow of the spirit in the assignment so for example god said to me write songs and it's interesting many times i would sit and write a song and it would actually bring a revelation of the spirit to me and there i would experience his grace or even sharing these messages god said to do it and now that i'm doing it i'm experiencing a flow grace he said to me serve at Christ Life Ministries and I can tell you how much my life has been blessed by being here even though there's all kinds of different nice places and things you can go and do um, choosing to do okay but God said do this suddenly submitting here and, and serving here suddenly the Spirit of God comes upon it so that's what I'm saying is is that the abiding in the secret place is first of all believing that you are forgiven having a revelation of God's goodness, Um, acting in obedience to the word of God, Um, the protection will be on the place where God said you need to be and what you need to do. The provision will be there. If you're not in that place, there is also grace and there's also provision and that will bring you back to the place where you need to be. But just understand that. So you can't in that sense, miss it, but for for the most effective reality of Psalms 91 operating in your life is actually knowing God is good, believing the gospel, the communion thing, which is abide, fellowship in the word, praying in the spirit, um, but also um, being obedient um, to the spirit when, when he tells you to do certain things. And that obedience isn't a condition for forgiveness. It is not the thing that makes you righteous. If you missed it, if you didn't respond, you receive the forgiveness and you ask God, okay, what can I be obedient to right now? So obedience accelerates um, the things in your life. It it strengthens the voice of God in your life. You hear more clearly. It, it brings life. So if you, if you weren't obedient and you knew I needed to do this thing, it's fine. Um, we, it's not a, a, a legalistic thing that this type of obedience, this obedience, is not what makes you righteous. This, in, in before God, um, this obedience of continually obeying His word, loving one another, will cause you to experience God. That's what it comes down to. Is when you do the things, it's like He creates pockets of grace <laughs> for you to um, to access in your life. Like I'm thinking of, um, you know, you have these computer games and you need to access a certain resource and you sort of build a thing on top of it to access this resource. I'm thinking about that. That's sort of the thing. In that place, in obedience to that word, when responding to the word, um, there is grace on it. If you don't have a specific word right now from God, just act on the word. The word says, go into the world, lay hands on the sick. The word says, build yourself up in your most holy faith, give thanks. You know, all of those things, which are things that God gave us in the New Testament, it is not legalistic works, it is works of faith. And those works of faith create room for the Spirit. And that is how we abide. So all of these things, this is a very long message, and I said a lot, but just let it wash over you that that the commandments of Jesus in the New Testament isn't a thing that makes you righteous or not and it's also not a thing you do in dependence on yourself. He says, apart from me you can do nothing. So he's speaking about out of abiding, our primary purpose, knowing intimacy with God. Out of that place, the secondary purpose, the things we need to do, the calling, the purpose, the destiny, the marriage, the business, the the laying hands on the sick, the ministry flows out of receiving His love for us. So it's abiding in Him apart from me you can do nothing and out of abiding the other things come and other things happen okay so (laughs) this was a lot of content but i really hope this word blessed you this blessed me a lot just to put into words um some of the different things that god showed me about abiding and about um, his commands uh, or um, the promptings of the spirit the words of Jesus, the thanksgiving, all of that. It's all just ways that we can connect with the grace. So it's nothing to do with our righteousness. It will cause righteousness to be manifested in our lives. It will bear fruit for life and not fruit for death. But we need to understand that those things um, don't change our identity. Our identity is we are God's beloved son sons and he's well pleased with us because jesus said i loved you with the same f- love my father has loved me and the father has loved him with the love that he said when he was baptized this is my beloved son and in, in whom i am well pleased okay so i hope it makes sense so um, obedience the commands of jesus isn't a bad thing it's not something to be avoided in terms of grace it is just to under be understood that it is Christ living through you, um, by you uh, yielding to Christ, and then the decision you will make out of that, because we always have a decision. That decision is, um, is not according to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. My decision is now simply based because I behold Christ and Christ directs me. So I can decide, I can be intentional to pray today, to take communion, to hear the gospel. But it's not out of a place of trying to please God. It is out of a place of accessing the grace. And also, it's not just the last thing. It's not like all dependent on us now. It is out of His goodness. He provides me with the word that says, do this now. So instead of me trying to do everything on my own, I simply just do what He tells me to do, and there's grace on that. So all of the other things that I'm trying to do, because of not believing that He's really good, and and, uh, basically you try to do all the things, simply do what He said. And when you do what He said, His works will be works of rest. And as you do those works, there's grace on it. Um, As you do other works, trying to fix yourself, or trying to do all kinds of things, out of your own, trying to become righteous to God in opposition to what God said, those are the things that can be easily corrected by having a revelation of His goodness and knowing that we are forgiveness and through a revelation of righteousness through faith. Okay, so I hope this word blessed you. I just want to pray for you right now to experience the love of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray right now that God will reveal these words to you. If you need to listen to this again, do it. But but I pray that this will bless you and, and it will um, it will really bring revelation to you about who God is, about His words, about acting in obedience to His words. And yeah, so I hope this word blessed you. I pray for you to experience the power of God in a mighty, mighty way. The love of Jesus. And lastly, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, the first thing Jesus uh, said the Father requires for us is that we believe In the one he sent. So um, the first step that we take is relationship with God. Everything else flows out of that place. That is our purpose. So if you haven't stepped into that, if you haven't become part of the family of God, son of God, whoever believes he gives us the privilege and the right to become sons of God. So um, if you want to become a son of God right now, in your spirit, instead of being united to sin, which um, ends up in destruction because sin cannot stand in the presence of God. It needs to be punished. Uh, Rather receive the blood of Jesus, the sin which came upon the body of Jesus. Our sinful nature came upon Jesus and He gives us a new nature. He gives us His nature and we are resurrected with Christ. If you want that right now, just pray with me. Um, Jesus, we give you glory for this word. So just say, um, pray with me, just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive all of my sins. Wash me clean with your blood. And give me eternal life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, so, and then lastly, I just pray that the Holy Spirit will fill you uh, in a mighty way. In Jesus' name. I hope this word blessed you. Have an amazing day.